Welcome back to Podcast 40 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers. You can follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For $250 worth of free bets, please visit Betfred. Use promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions, location apply. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays please visit the Ozbreakers.com click shop and become a member pick any of our premium cappers to get their premium plays for line moves you can also support us on patreon.com but if nothing else please visit the Ozbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber well it might sound like i'm in a construction zone my friends because i really am we are uh, remodeling our house so you might hear little saws going off or little hammers going down but uh either way Uh, I am heading on vacation this weekend back to Wisconsin, up to Minocqua to enjoy a week with my family at my parents' and aunts' and uncles' lake house. Very excited to do that and get away. There may or may not be a podcast next week. I'm going to try to record one uh, later this week, possibly, of uh, good websites to use while handicapping and maybe even a free play. So stay tuned for that. But the focus today is on this show, and we have a great show for you today because Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com is coming on to break down some early 2023 college football. We're going to look at things from a high level at first, rule changes, possibly some new teams, and some teams that maybe overachieved and underachieved last year in the Power Five division i'm also going to go into little ufc on espn at the end of this podcast to uh, give you a couple plays that i'm going to make strickland versus mago madoff so very excited for that but before we get into that my baseball has been still rocking still in the black when a nice 2.6 units i believe yesterday we had a nice plus 160 bet on the San Francisco Giants, and I'm using a little system that's kind of created itself this year that's actually been money. What it is, is you fade the team that just got done playing their series with Oakland. Uh, the The numbers are massive. I believe it was 12-2 and two when I first was uh, doing some research on this, and I'm about 3-0 and o already on this, and I think there is something to it. Uh, what there is to it is basically maybe teams that play really bad teams just don't understand the proper level of competition and they kind of regress a little bit by doing that. But it's the same type of philosophy as, you know, when you're practicing uh, to become great at a sport, you always practice, practice with the better kids or better adults or depends upon what level you are. That makes you better. It doesn't make you better playing with worse players. It makes you better to play with the best players, right? You always step up in competition, shoot and pool on a nine-foot table before you go to the bars and shoot on a seven-foot table. That's always worked really well for me. So maybe that's the theory behind it, but I'm going to keep doing it. Usually on Tuesdays after the Monday rest is a new break with the new series and possibly on Fridays as well. So uh, that's my that's my angle right there. I'm giving it to you. And uh, certainly worked out yesterday hitting that plus money on the San Francisco Giants, but we're going to keep killing it in baseball. And if you want my baseball, you can have a month for 50 bucks off. Just check out the odds breakers and put in the code summer win. You get 50 bucks off my month. You can cancel it at any time. Just try me out for a month or try any cap route for a month, 50 bucks off the first month or 100 bucks off any NFL package. Use the promo code summer win. All right. Without further ado, let's get into a little college football 2023 with our wonderful guest brad powers i'm very happy to welcome back one of the best originators in the sports betting of college football world in mr brad powers from bradpowersports.com you can follow him at bradpower7 on twitter brad just like we were saying it's finally heating up man i mean we had a wonderful spring here in phoenix but man it's getting it's getting to the 110s. I'm ready to get the heck out of here. How, how's the summer treating you? 
Extremely very well. We haven't really had a summer here in Vegas. I mean, we've set the all-time record. We went 291 days without hitting 100 degrees. But uh, like you, since we were only a few hours to, to, to your north, uh, I think Saturday or Sunday we're supposed to hit 110. So, yeah, the, the, the heat is finally here. That's okay. The, the fact that it held off this late, I mean, when usually you might have hit 100 in early May, I'm not complaining. It's been really good walking weather in the morning. I can tell you that. Absolutely. And I do go for my walks, listen to podcasts almost every morning in the middle of a remile right now. It's been a little bit, I've been, I've been getting my exercise in different ways, but uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's heating up and now those Vegas pools can heat up so they don't have to spend so much time uh, with the, uh, the gas uh, heater, I guess, on the pools. It's funny in Arizona, my wife is so spoiled. She won't even go swimming unless the thing's 88. So it'll be like in the spring, I'll be like, you serious? You want 88 degrees and I look at my heating bill and I'm like Jesus it's like you can't even get to a warm enough pool in this state for my wife but that's how it goes sometimes <laughs> but anyways we're talking some season wins we're going to talk about the power five some teams that maybe overachieved last year maybe maybe underachieved uh, according to expectations but uh you know I want to just ask you this first because obviously I follow you very closely on your media. How many season win totals have you made, Brad, so far this year? How many teams? Over 100 teams already. And I'm probably going to, you know, looking at over, I'm going to get close to betting every single one of them. I'm not going to force it if I don't think there's any value, but uh, I, there's been some value created just from the sports books posting disparate lines. I mean, the market might be painted five and a half. One book comes along and you know, decides to go six and a half on a particular team. So, of course, I'm going to go under six and a half when you're going to give me a win. I mean, a win's <laughs> worth well more than 100 cents. We're only talking 12 games. Uh, they play in the regular season. So, uh, at mo I mean, you typically you're going to find a half game just by shopping, but you know, you, you'll find even a game differences. So, it's not like I feel like I have a significant edge o- over the market on all those 100-plus teams, but if you're going to give me half wins and wins – and I'm not paying premiums on them. I'm not having to lay like minus 170 or minus 180. Then, of course, I'm going to go ahead and fire away. Well, it's so funny because you bet more teams than stadiums you've been to. And I'm pretty sure you've been to the most stadiums of any college football fan that I know. And it's like, now, now maybe it's a goal here is to bet on every team for this year. Is, is that what we're getting at? Uh, no, nah, I mean, it'd be cool that to, to, for that to be the case. I mean, a goal. No, I mean, I, I still want to make money. Yeah, uh, so course, again, I'm not going to force it, but speaking of stadiums, I, that starts in a couple weeks for me. I mean, I know a lot of people are starting their college football prep. I'm basically done. There's really, unless there's some <laughs> new markets that open up, I'm done. So I'm going on vacation and my vacation is going to be, uh, I'm going to do another 25 stadiums in four days is the plan. What? Oh my God, that's, yeah. you're going to be like doing three a day or something to probably bunch them up a little bit in some cases. That's that's a lot of stadiums, man, but that's cool. I love how you do a little uh, little live video session when you're there and you know kind of get the feel of everything. That's just such a fun thing to do, and uh, we'll be definitely following you for that. But you know what's interesting about what you said, and I've been thinking about this before you came on, this isn't really the market of the sports betters this is the brad powers market you know the books come out with a line and then you shape the market what i see this is brad powers's market isn't it i wouldn't go that far but you know there's a time or two where i i mean when you got to bet on almost every week one game already side or total when you bet almost every single season win total already when you have 300 plus bets and it's not even fourth of july yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i helped shape it. I, I will say there's no doubt about that. But look, I, I mean, if you're going to post that early, I, I'm i going to take advantage because I'm guessing the individual sportsbook uh, managers didn't watch 61 spring games. Uh, I, I'm sure that they've divvied up their time between a bunch of other sports. I don't do baseball. I'm not that involved with the NBA. I do a little bit of the playoffs, not much. I'm not even going to do starting next year. I'm not even going to worry about March Madness anymore, really. So I'm just focused on college football. And I would like to think with me focused and specialized on college football in the early summer months and late spring months, I can make a power. I can make a power rating. I can make a line. I can make a win total better than your average bookmaker. I know they should be hiring you and throwing you tons of money collaboration type thing for you to make the lines and then you can uh i like winning so i don't it would take a lot of money i know you don't want to be on the other side right uh, no. what's up to andrew schrader over there good to see you too 
Um, so, well, that's, you know, I'm, I'm still going to call this a Brad Powers market, but that, this is a badge of honor. So, you know, bear with me a little bit here. I believe that it, that's true. And the truth is, if you focus on one sport, you're going to be more successful. You know, you have the time to do it. Um, you're excited about it. It is your passion. That's what we always preach here is, uh, you know, special specialties, special, it, it may be just a conference, you know, you specialize in just a conference, you know, yep. you're going to do better than trying to bet the whole board, you know, especially if uh, you're doing other things, but this is your job and your career. And you've done a absolutely wonderful job. You're the only guy that I know makes a bet on the next year's championship game during the championship game. I think that's what we talked about yeah. last year. So that is, you're one of a kind for sure. But Leading into, you know, these early markets, I mean, why are these books putting out these ghostly lines earlier and earlier over the past five years? Uh, you know, because, you know, obviously when we were talking years ago, it, we'd probably wait till almost June for some of this stuff to come out. But now DraftKings is putting them up. There, there's, put, there's some decent limits on them, you know? So, I mean, why are they doing this? It's an excellent question. Uh, I hope they continue to do it, but I think uh, there's this race to be first for the promotion instead of a race to be right to gather all the information. Uh, so, I mean, they get that cloud as far as, hey, we're the first to post this and that, whether it's win totals, futures, uh, week one lines. Uh, they're not taking significant limits, but they're taking enough for me to get involved. You know, nickel, as long as you're taking nickels and dimes, I mean, if I'm going to bet the entire board, that that's, that's good enough for me. So uh, maybe they prefer it that way. You know, guys like myself that aren't betting 10 dimes on a win total, they can take my information, a.k.a. my bet, and then adjust it so late in the summer comes around, they can take, you know, bigger bets on something like that. So I'm guessing that that's some of the thought process, but I don't know. That's maybe giving them a little too much credit. I just think <laughs> they like posting stuff. And let's be honest, it's an interest-free loan. I mean, I got six figures of my money tied up for six months, so, you know, they get it tied up that much longer. Well, hopefully you find something better to invest in in some of the junk that's going around these days on your interest-free loan because interest rates pretty dang low as it is, my man, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're like looking at CDs and stuff. But anyways, what are some of the major rule changes coming into 2023? And I know there's a big one to talk about. Yeah, I mean, so let's start with the, you know, the first downs. They're going to run the clock, uh, you know, after first downs, uh, you know, like the NFL rules. So usually, I mean, typically for our entire lives watching college football, after a first down, they stop the clock to set the chains. That's not going to be the case. So but what, what did I do? I, <laughs> I went back through last year's games, looked at a bunch of different conferences, and literally charted. Uh, how many seconds there are. And it's it's pretty disparate, to be honest with you. I mean, I had games like Oklahoma, Kansas State, where they, they were running the clock within 1.9 seconds. I had games like Maryland, Michigan, where it was like 5.2 seconds in the time it took for them to start the clock up. You know, so, uh, you know, when the first when the play is over, I go one, two, until the clock mm. starts moving. So it's pretty disparate. What's it going to impact? Obviously, it's going to affect totals. How big of an impact? I mean, it certainly is. I don't want to give out the exact figure because, I mean, I did some math. I did some work. Uh, the totals aren't out, uh, you know, completely yet at all books. I would say a third of the books, the totals are out. But uh, it lends me to believe we're going to see some lower scoring by, by, by at least a few points a game. Yeah, and, and I think the market's got to know that, you know. And, and so the question you is, would you would think, I mean, I'm going to pick this. This, I'm gonna, this is my number one thing I'm going to pay attention to week zero, week one. You know, I mean, I, I am going to dig into that aspect of it, being that I do bet on totals. And, you know, you're more of a sides better and you're going to do all that work. So that is uh, props to you. But um, well, I, I will say this. I haven't told anybody this. I think it got over the circa opened the totals. I think it got over adjusted. So I mean, I'm still going to bet numbers. So right. I found myself betting more overs than unders because I thought they over adjusted for the rule changes. Well, here's my little theory on it too. Um, I think some teams that play fast, your Western Kentucky's out there, you know, uh, old time Wake Forest type plays teams. It, I, I think those teams will still kind of want to play fast because that's their game. So I almost wonder yeah. if maybe that makes them speed up a little bit. You know, the clock's going to uh, not stop, but if you're getting to the line in 10, 15 seconds, Brad, you know, it, it might not be that much of an adjustment here. And obviously, I, you know, throwing deep and the way some of these fast teams play, they score pretty fast. 
I'm thinking there could be an overadjustment just based upon that. If, if they have the philosophy of it, they know that yep. time is going to stop or not going to stop when they're used to it. They're going to force the issue. So, I mean, I'm going to have to look at some teams and make that decision as well. But, yeah, Circa comes out with the lines. Bravo to them. You know, it's probably time to start picking off some of those and uh, making some good decisions on it, at least for something. You know, definitely not – any max plays by uh, any means. I also see the uh, not extending quarters, kind of a small rule when it quarter ends on a defensive penalty. There's no down that's going to be clocked, right? Yeah, and, I like that rule a lot. Yeah, I, it was it was weird before. I thought you know it wasn't it. it yeah, it, it, the untimed down. Oh yeah, yeah that that was that that had to go. And the outlawing consecutive timeouts to ice kickers that was that that was well overdue. As agree. well, as well. So I'm glad that uh, those three are the major changes. I think I hit all the major ones here. Let me mention one more that specifically affects the service academies. They, I mean, they continue to basically outlaw cut blocking. So I mean, what we've seen is like the Army and Navy. I mean, Army's going to be in shotgun this year. They're, they're completely redoing their offense. Ugh, I mean. And we'll see how that goes when you've been running option for, for a quarter century. You will, I mean, there's going to be an adjustment there. Navy's similar that they're going to move, you know, some away from option principles. So that's something to keep an eye on and uh, ten, lends me to believe that you know, I'm not going to be running to the window to at least until I see it to be betting army and Navy too much. I, I say that and yet I bet army and Navy. In week one. <laughs> yeah, it's too tempting, man. Well, yeah. you, know, you know, you can always go back. You sit, you, you tend to uh, create over 5% of uh, VIG right there. So you can always move, go back if you have to, yeah. man. No, that's good stuff. Uh, so how, how are we going to adjust? Well, I actually kind of cover this. I, and and you, this is proprietary information to you. But um, my next question was, how are we going to adjust our handicapping due to the clock stop is going away? And I think, I think it's just kind of sit and wait for some people that aren't sure. Maybe dabble yep. a little bit in the beginning. And, uh, you know, look for over-adjusted stuff because I also think, you know, the Army and Navy, they play slow. Will it even be slower when the clock's not for, uh, on first down? You know, because that, that could be maybe a reverse effect where it's, uh, it's, it's even a lot worse, maybe like 29-point totals or something that you might see in a game. So we'll keep our eyes open for that. Uh, this segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of power in water every single day? Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and the whole food source ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get one free year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with the first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash the oddsbreakers or to our podcast descriptions. So what are the new teams coming in to, from the FCS to the FBS this year, Brad? Yeah, a couple of them. Uh, Sam Houston State uh, comes over, and, and also Jacksonville State comes over. Uh, you know, a couple of teams that have had success at the FCS level, and I kind of did a case study on this, you know. Well, how do teams do in, in their first year uh, of FBS play? And a lot of it was dependent on how successful you were at the FCS level. And, and I'm here to tell you, if you're playing in, in a tough conference at the FCS um, and you've had a lot of success, there's really not that much difference, you know, jumping up to lower level group of five football, the Sun Belt, and in this case, the Conference USA, not too much different. I'm a little in between on Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State, uh, mainly because they, they didn't play in power conferences, so to speak, at the FCS level, coming over from the Southland and the Ohio Valley not the strongest of conferences. So I think there will be a little bit of an adjustment, but I'm not, I don't think either team gets run over. I think they're relatively competitive, but I, I don't think we're going to see what we saw like James Madison last year yeah. comes in, you know, and, and you can make a case that they might've been the best team in a Sunbelt a year ago, a, yeah. a good Sunbelt conference. So yeah. I, it's probably proof, pr a little bit in between. I think they're four or five win type of teams this year. Well, you know, people like Sagarin always had ratings on them. Did you kind of cross your FCS rankings and your yep. power ratings that you kind of had to cross with that, just like Sagarin does? So you can, like, yep. so UMass would be way down there, not just 131. Yeah, I mean, there's 50, 60 <laughs> ahead of like a UMass. So, yeah. yeah, I do cross. If there's one that's as similar as mine as far as power ratings, they're, they're not totally similar, but if there's one public free, one out there, Jeff Sagarin's ratings are closest to mine. 
Yeah, Sagarin does an amazing job. He also has a good strength of schedule and a recency that I love to see because a lot of people don't do recency. I think recency is very important and underrated to see how teams are progressing and and yeah. obviously regressing during out the whole season. You know, so this is the first year, Brad, that I remember the kind of the big four here. And I'm sorry to Michigan, but Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson all have new quarterbacks. I don't remember when those four if it's happened in years, had a, they all have a new quarterback here. Does this open things up a little for a few other teams to maybe sneak in the playoffs? Maybe the hat you're wearing right here might have a little tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> obviously, there's Michigan or USC. So uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think there is some opportunity maybe to get one or two different teams that haven't made the playoff this year because, uh, you know, those fringe teams, all of those teams return their quarterback. So we'll start with Texas. A team Quinn Ewers, I think, uh, you know, he's going to be much better in year two as a quarterback. He has to be. Otherwise, you know, there's Arch Man Manning behind him. There's Malik Murphy behind him and had a really good spring game. So he has to be better. He's going to be benched, and he's got a ton of weapons around him. So Texas, I think, is capable of at least, you know, they're the best team in the Big 12. So if you're going to win your conference at the Power 5 level, you got a chance to make the playoff. Other teams, Florida State with Jordan Travis, a, a kid that I bet to win the Heisman. I also bet Quinn Ewers to win the Heisman. I think this is the best Florida State team probably in almost a decade since they had it in the heyday of Jimbo Fisher's tenure there. So I think they're a legit team. We're going to find out week one because another team that could slip in would be an LSU team. The defending SEC West champs return their quarterback, Jane Daniels, yet another quarterback that I bet to win the Heisman and Jane Daniels. I think they're very capable, better than last year's team, especially you know when you look at the offensive line, they're starting a pair of true freshman tackles. So LSU's Cable of maybe getting in the mix there. So, yeah, all those fringe teams, even Michigan, obviously. I mean, a team that's made the playoffs the last couple of years with a returning quarterback is going to be in the mix. So, yeah, it's look, it's as wide open as it can get in today's day and age in college football. Typically, I only think, and I still kind of think, only three or four teams can actually win the championship. But as far as making a playoff, I think there's eight, eight to ten teams that can make the playoff this year. Oh, man. Well, too bad it's not that year where they have the 12-team playoffs in this situation. That's coming. That's, That's next year already. I'm excited for it. I know a lot of people against I like it. I think it's needed. Maybe that spreads out the recruiting some, too, and the transfers. You know, They don't have to worry about not making the playoffs so they don't go to Alabama or Georgia or something like that. That's that's always been my theory. That's, that's the hope. We'll see. Yeah, that is the hope. Well, let's get into some – Power five conferences and, you know, just a couple teams I'm throwing out there here with their season win total. I want to know your thoughts pretty quick on each. I uh, don't have to go into too much depth, but, uh, you know, there's teams that overachieved and underachieved. And I guess looking at history, especially when we do power ratings, when we try to power rate for the next year and there's a lot of uncertainty, we look at their history. We see how good this coach is and how good these teams are. We're not, you know, if they were bad and all of a sudden good, we're not going to necessarily give them a great mark. But if they were good and they're bad, we sometimes bring them back to where they're supposed to be. But here's some teams that I listed here that were overachievers. I'm going to start with the ACC. We're going to go over and then under. We're going to go with Syracuse, and they're at 6.5 wins. And I know Syracuse kind of tailed away at the end, but they had a heck of a start. Definitely, yep. be, you know, Dino Babers probably saved his job. And, uh, they, I mean, the expectations, they kind of blew away. And then I have to say Duke also win total at 6.5. Now, there's going to be juice either way on this, but now I'm just going by the DK lines right now. Uh, as well as Betfred. So uh, Syracuse, 6.5. Duke, 6.5. What do you think? So I haven't got to the window yet on Syracuse. I would lean under. Uh, you know, their schedule sets up, though, nicely for them. So we'll see. You know, the, the, the not only regression, but the, he lost both coordinators. Uh, and so, I mean, that's a concern. Look, they're not your typical power five team. They just, you know, they're not Alabama when it comes to, oh, this is higher than the next hot shot coordinator. They were two good coordinators, and it's going to be tough for Dino to replace those guys. Duke, I did take a position. I, I went under six and a half. And it's not that I don't like the returning production. It's there. I like Riley Leonard at quarterback. He's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the country. It's not that I don't think, you know, Mike Elko isn't one of the hot shot young, you know, got head coaches that probably is not going to be at Duke too long. I think he's great. The problem with Duke is, look at their schedule. Last year, they faced two teams with a winning record. This year, it's eight. So they avoided Clemson. They avoided Florida State. Let's throw Notre Dame in there because they play a lot of ACC teams. Mm -hmm. They didn't play any of those teams last year. They play all three this year. So a much bigger, you know, tougher schedule. And look, nobody's going to, you know, look at Duke and say, you know, write down automatic win after they won nine games last year. So I'm guessing in practice prep, teams are going to be a little bit more focused on Duke. So I did go under six and a half there. Yeah, it's a little juice night now, but they also had the 12th 
worst passing defense in the whole uh, the whole ACC last year. So I thought, you know, that's something to, to look at. Sure, they were pretty stout against the run, and obviously with the coach there in Elko, but you know, they, they are a prime difference of strength of schedule. Probably the biggest one, as you just said, you know. For, yep, it for, is. In all of football, and I think that's massive. And, you know, sometimes those teams, people don't take them seriously. I've seen Kentucky do this a few times and a few other teams. And then they just happen to, you know, catch people off guard. You know, they kind of look at their schedule. They circle this circle this as a maybe going out week or something. I don't know what the kids do. But, yeah, and then they're not going to be sneaking up on anyone this year. So I agree with you. I would definitely look to the under on Duke. How about underachievers? Boston College at 5.5 this year. They certainly underachieved last year. And Virginia. We're looking at 3.5 on their win total, man. I mean, this is getting into UMass territory, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think it gets any better, really, for Virginia. I mean, some early numbers are four and a half on that. That was one of my favorite win, win total positions. So I think it's yet another real big-time struggle for Virginia this year. Would I bet under three and a half? Uh, no, uh, I mean, if you gave me a $20 bill, yeah, I'd still probably lean that way. I mean, that's, that's telling you it's pretty bad. And if you don't believe me, look, they had to go in and their starting quarterback is going to be an FCS kid, Tony Musket, uh, who wasn't, you know, he wasn't letting the world, setting the world on fire at the FCS level. It's not like Shadur Sanders, you know, going to Colorado. Uh, so they're, I think it's going to be a big time struggle, talent deficiency, big time there. Boston College. Uh, five and a half is the right win total. I mean, one book, Circa, opened six, so I went under. If you're going to give me a free half win, I'm going to take a free half win. But I'm kind of bullish. Uh, you know, outside of that one win total, I'm bullish on Boston College just from one position. Offensive line. It was arguably the worst offensive line in, at the Power 5 level in college football last year. Uh, they had zero returning starters last year. And, and a bunch of those guys got banged up during the course of the season. This year, all five returning starters on the offensive line. Plus, they get a guy that prior to injury getting hurt uh, in the summer, Mahogany, their guard, he was going to be a, a first-round type NFL guard. So now he's healthy. So because of that position group, I think Boston College is one of the most improved teams in the country. But the market's kind of over, you know, on top of it. That's why, you know, after winning three games last year, they got a win total of five and a half. Well, must be after you bet it because I took Boston College over five and a half when it was about even money. The reason I like Boston College was because, well, I mean, I mean, I think Halfley's done better in recruiting than this school's done in years, you know. And I know they lost a few kids to the transfer portal, but they know they've gained it. I mean, five and a half is realistic to me. They have seventy eight percent returning productions. You said it about the offensive line, man. That's what I like to see is the trenches here. And it's not like their kid uh, is not is coming in starting. Uh, for the first time, he took over for uh, Jerkovic last year, right? Yep. Right. So uh, I like the Moorhead kid. Yeah, yeah. So, so he has some experience already. It's almost kind of like he's returning as a starter, anyway. I like their non-conference NIU, Holy Cross, and a revenge game against UConn. I, I, those are those should be three wins. And if you want to look um, to to some of those other weak ACC teams that they play. I think it's very possible that they get over six and uh, or get to six anyway. And six is bowl eligible, as we all know. So that's always been a big goal. It doesn't always happen with bad teams, as you know. But, you know, getting the six wins would be a huge for Halfley. And uh, I, I liked them over the five and a half. So that's where my, I made my play, Brad. Yeah, you're not going to get disagreement from me. Uh, again, I just bet up an outlier number under six so we'll right. see I, I will say this jeff halfley's really good and say he doesn't get the ball eligibility i'm not going to root against your bet but uh <laughs> say he only wins four or five games this year and, and they somehow and they shouldn't but somehow they get rid of him he'd be out of a job for about a day i mean he yeah. he would be the most sought after defensive coordinator i uh, keep in mind he was the orchestrated that ohio state 2019 defense i think he's really sharp they get virginia and virginia tech at home at army as a at Army's a possible. So just trying to looking for some more wins. Yeah, I might have a loser there. I mean, or, or a push so that they got my money held up for six months. They, they might need one of those at Georgia Tech, at Syracuse wins, and then uh, they'll lose at Pitt. They'll should lose to Miami at home. But, yeah, this is going to be interesting 
to say the least. But uh, you can always come back on it. You got time. <laughs> also, uh, Andrew, yeah, um, don't worry about our bull car hunter. He he's going to be all over these totals, like flies on you know what. I have no worry at all about his handicapping over there, my man. He's going to be just fine. Let's move on to the Big Twelve here. Talk about overachievers. TCU now their win totals down to seven point five. They sure lost a lot of players to the NFL draft in Kansas State. I thought they kind of overachieved as well. They were a fantastic team. Now sitting at eight point five. Do they stay there, Brad, or do they regress? Ooh, eight point five. Uh, it seems about right. I mean, I, I I would be a little bit pessimistic on both TCU. Opened eight and a half. I went under. So at seven and a half, eh, pass for me at the current number on TCU. But Kansas State at eight and a half. I mean, schedule is relatively beneficial to them. I could see them favored in at least eight, probably nine games. So, uh, and look, I don't, you talk about variance. Uh, you know, I don't think they're a high variance program, to be honest with you. I mean, when you run the football play defense, I think Chris Kleiman's a really good coach. I know they lose Deuce Vaughn. He'll be sorely missed, but I, I, I just don't see, you know, Kansas State being a team that, oh, I mean, they win 10 games one year, they're back to five and seven the next. I think they're going to be pretty steady Eddie. So eight and four to me sounds about right for the Wildcats. Yeah, eight and four. It's I, I definitely wouldn't go over that, but um, I do believe that you're right. I see like high floor, low ceiling again with Kansas State, but with TCU, yep. I see a much more variant, you know, type of performance this Agreed. year. His uh, coach is almost on honeymoon after making the uh, you know, playoffs last year, so that's you know obviously fantastic. Not only making it, winning a playoff game. <laughs> I know, being I, that, was, that was stunning. I still want. I still want to see that replay again where that Michigan uh, caught that touchdown, but. Talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't it come down? You know, Michigan fans, it shouldn't have come down to that. Are you kidding me? That's TCU. You, you saw what a real team did to TCU the, the very next game. Yeah, you, you did. You did. Georgia is the <laughs> champion for a reason. Save Michigan the embarrassment. Let's move on to the underachievers here. <laughs> Iowa State. Now they're at 5.5 wins. They're at a terrible year. And West Virginia. Oh, what happened to them? 4.5 wins, Brad. Can these guys get to a bowl? So in the weeds on Iowa State, when I first those lines came out, I bet over. It was one of my biggest positions because they've been kind of hard luck the last couple of years. You look at their wins, wins and losses in close games; it's been horrific. And you know, even last year's team. Look at them statistically. I mean, they had the statistical profile of a team that probably should have been six and six, seven and five. So because of that, when I was looking at it, yeah, let's go over Iowa State. You know, they might have a season where they're more fortunate than not. Uh, with that being said, there is uh, the gambling circus around Iowa and Iowa State. I am hearing whispers that Hunter Deckers, the Iowa State returning starting quarterback, might be a part of that. And if he is, he might uh, be out. And if you don't believe me, let's read the tea leaves. After spring, that they went out and got a Juco quarterback. So uh, that that leaves me a little bit less optimistic about going over the total there. I, as far as you know, West Virginia, I also bet over for them. I mean, look, with all the, you know, Neil Brown can't coach. He stinks. I mean, they, he's not that good. I mean, if, if they're going to quit on him, why haven't they? I mean, at the end of last season, they beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. They're right in the mix against TCU. They should have. They could have easily beaten Pittsburgh. I did bet over four and a half, but I am concerned because there just seems to be an overwhelming negativity around the program that he's on the hot seat. He's going to get fired. And they got a tough schedule. They play Penn State to open. They got Pittsburgh in non-conference as well. Uh, and if they trip up early and they don't start off hot, he plays Houston and former West Virginia coach Dana Holgerson. If he loses a couple of those games, I could see it going south. So it wasn't one of my favorite win total bets. But I still I got to play my numbers, and my numbers say over four and a half on the Mountaineers. Well, the Mountaineers returned their whole offensive line, so that's kind of a nice yeah. thing. But the bad thing is they weren't returning anyone else. <laughs> Normally you like an offensive line returning, right? And then you're like, okay, I'm okay with one receiver, maybe a backup running back and a quarterback. But now it's just their offensive line. It's everybody else is new. So it's just an intriguing situation. But, yeah, um, I'd probably stay away from that. Neil Brown. Yeah, I thought he'd do better, you know, his days was at Troy. I did too, but, yeah. I mean, look, they're not in the Big East anymore, folks. They're playing the Big 12. And, yeah. look, they're, they're, look at their non-conference the last three, four years. They're playing multiple Power 5 teams. When you're playing 11 Power 5 teams each and every year, you're going to be relatively average five, six wins a season when you're a program like West Virginia. Yep, yep, Penn State, Pittsburgh. Yep, even at Houston, geez, you know that's that's not easy either. So they're playing some very tough, uh, 
tough opponents here coming up. Totally agree. They're scheduled themselves into a very tough situation. Move on to the Big Ten. Overachievers. Yes, say Illinois. I mean, they kicked butt last year. They might have lost a lot of people in the draft, but their win total is 6.5. So, you know, Vegas ain't getting too excited about it. Or the market, I should say, is not getting too excited about it. I think, you know, it coming down, that, that's a decent place, I think, to come down to is 6.5. And Iowa, 7.5. The absolute no offense, all defense type team that just kind of tends to just redo things. And <laughs> there they are sitting. I, I don't even remember when Iowa win total wasn't 7 to 9.9. 9. Like, anywhere between 7 and 9, Brad. I don't even remember those yep. days, man. It's been that long. But, uh you know, I, I think that uh, these are probably the overachievers. Yeah, so let's start with Illinois. I haven't bet their win total yet. I, I think, like you mentioned, I think that there was fair regression there in the market, six and a half. And you can make a case that, you know, as good as they did a year ago, they could have won. They left a little bit of meat on the bone. That was a team that probably, when you're looking at the middle point of last season, that was the overwhelming favorite to, go, to win the West, the division. Uh, with how dominant they were the first five, six games of the season, they should have beaten Indiana in the opener. I mean, they dominated statistically that game. Yeah. They lost back-to-back games as a double-digit favorite uh, at home against Michigan State uh, and Purdue that they should have won those games. So, And then, the, you know, the bowl game uh, is a game that they easily could have won. So, yeah, for as good as they did a year ago, they probably should have won a couple more they games. should have beat Michigan, man. They're up. Could Seven. easily beat Michigan. So every single one of those was like kind of – and, you know, you look at close wins and losses and, you know, <laughs> they were at the short end of the stick there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's high variance because you just beat them a style of play, and they're going to be really – look, they lose a lot of guys like Chase Brown at running back. It's a big loss. Uh, their secondary got decimated. Witherspoon, I mean, lost, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they lost three guys Brown. to the draft uh, out of that secondary. So that was legit. They lost their defensive coordinator, now the head coach of Purdue. So I'm worried a little bit, but – Meat and potatoes, O-line, D-line, they're as good as anybody in the West, uh, the West division there. So, And they got a couple dudes up front on the defensive line. I'm surprised came back. That Newton kid at, at D-tackle, as good as anybody in the country. So uh, six and a half's fair. Iowa, indifferent. You know, eight and a half opened up. Like this was in May, uh, early May. I bet under. I was like, man, I don't think this offense capable of winning nine games. And then – I've come around a little bit. I think the market probably overreacted. Uh, seven and a half, I, I, I would play back and probably play back a bigger position on over seven and a half, to be honest with you, because there's still concerns about Wisconsin. Are they going to be there yet with a first-year coach? You could say the same about Nebraska. Minnesota, I think, takes a step back this year. Illinois is not as good as what they were. I mean, somebody's got to win the West in this final year before they do away with divisions. So, Iowa could be that team. I mean, I do think they're going to be improved offensively. They better. I mean, Brian Ferentz's job is on the line. They got to average 25 points per game per his contract or he gets fired. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. We've been saying that for a while, though. You know, it's funny. The fans there are just sick of him. (laughs) They're just sick of the. Be careful what you wish for because, I mean, I know. I I think if Ferentz goes, the son, I think the, 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 you know, Kirk is probably going as well. And, Man, you've been an incredibly stable program for the last two decades, so good luck. Yeah, good luck. I mean, maybe that's the way you do it if you're not recruiting the big with the big boys. You just kind of have to, uh, you know, kind of you know, go with the flow. Who's, who's quarterbacking for Iowa? Cade McNamara from Michigan. Okay. Uh, if healthy, okay. that's an upgrade there. He brings yep. over the Michigan tight end, the all-kid at tight end. They're going to be good at tight end. Running backs will be better. they got a lot of experience back on the offensive line. So I think, you know, I do individual position up-downs for each group, each team. I think I upgraded Iowa pretty much across the board, up, up, up. They got an Ohio State transfer, a wide receiver. I was going to come in and, you know, probably their most talented wide receiver that they've had. I mean, if you're looking at recruiting rankings. So, yeah, I think they're going to be better. Yeah, I, I would say so. And McNamara was supposed to be the starter, obviously, for Michigan. Got banged up a little bit. And J.J. McCarthy just did such a great job. So it was a smart decision for him. Hopefully the offense, you know, gets a little bit more creative here. Are the same offensive coordinator, or has that been changed? I have to. Yeah, Brian Ferentz is still there. Again, it, I'm not joking with this. There is There was a well-publicized, you know, he had, the offense has to average 25 points per game, and Iowa has to win seven games or Brian Ferentz is fired. All right, there you go. That's uh, all in the family at Iowa. So we'll see what happens to them. Let's go to underachievers. Michigan State, their win total is 5.5. They were putrid last year. It's so Jekyll and Hyde with what happened over in Michigan State. And 
coach over there. And obviously, uh, Nebraska, I hate, I hate talking about Nebraska. I'm sick of it, man. Sick of it. But now I obviously Scott Frost is gone. We have a new regime with Matt rule. So I have to bring him up. There's win total sitting at six. You expect this team to win with the recruits they get. What about these guys? Yeah, Michigan State, a little pessimistic. I, I mean, I think that the season that they won 11 games with Kenneth Walker at running back, I mean, he just, you know, Mel Tucker, the head coach, hit a home run in the transfer portal that year. I don't think you can expect to do that. And you look at the schedule, I mean, you're still in the same division. Last I checked is Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. You're playing Washington, borderline top 10 team in non-conference. I mean, that's four losses right there. And I don't think they're that much better than the Maryland's of the world and some of the other teams they played. So I would lean under five and a half, believe it or not. I mean, keep in mind, post-spring, they lost their starting quarterback, uh, Peyton Thorne, transfers to Auburn. They lost Keon Coleman, by far their best offensive weapon, a wide receiver to Florida State. That's not a good sign when you're losing. I watched their spring game. They, those two guys are going to be starters, and they leave post-spring. Not good. I, I, I just don't think it bodes well for the culture there. Uh, lo- looking at uh, you know the, 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 the other team you mentioned, uh, I'm a little bit pessimistic as well, uh, and it's escaping me uh, right Nebraska, now. Uh, who's the other? Under- Nebraska, I said, with Matt. Yeah, Rudolph. I boy, to expect them to go. Look, they've been close. They've been power rated, you know, right around a six-win team, even though they only won three games a year ago. There's some early books that posted six and a half. I went under. I mean, you're expecting a lot for them to win seven games. They haven't been eligible the last five years, so uh, six years, in fact. Uh I just don't think you mentioned the talent. They're getting there. They're accumulating it. We were ta- as we're taping this, they got a top 100, uh, really good tight end for next year. Uh, he's not going to suit up this year. So, uh, no, I, I think they're an average football team, six and six, and they're not. They're still not better than the Iowas and the Minnesotas and the Wisconsins of the world. They have to play at Minnesota and at Wisconsin at Illinois. That doesn't bode well. They do get Michigan at home and avoid Ohio State. That'll be a significant underdog. The Wolverines will crush them. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Who's going to start, Jeff Sims or Casey Thompson? You know, I, I, I'm Casey Thompson here. transferred to Florida Atlantic. It is going to okay. be Jeff Sims. Okay, then Jeff Sims is in for sure here. Yes, yeah, some of these magazines came out too early. <laughs> As I'm, That's where we take advantage of it, leading to your first question. Why are they doing this? I don't know why, but I hope they do. That's right. Let's continue. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Now that's good stuff. So let's move on to Pac-12 here, and then we're going to start with the overachievers. I mean, this team blew me away last year. We kind of knew, Brad, when we talked last year that this team was going to improve with Penix here. But man, Washington, whew, nine is their season win total here, and uh, they definitely overachieved. They're just fighting with Oregon right there, and then hell, Oregon State. You know, they were very surprising as well last year, and uh, now their season win total is eight point five. They lost a good tight end to the draft this year, but uh, you know, can they reload and uh, get up to where they need to be? Yeah, sir, Washington. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, Kalen DeBoer is legit. He, he's, uh, you know, a top 10 coach, I think, nationally and doesn't get credit like he's a top 10 coach. I mean, wins wherever he is at, whether it's an Indiana offensive coordinator. Wonder why they've stepped down the last couple of years. Well, he's no longer the offensive coordinator. Uh, he was coordinating when, when Michael Penix had that big season, brings him over for Washington. It's a home run. I mean, he, he basically leads the, the nation in passing from a power five aspect they have an elite wide receiver core top five in the country because everybody's back uh and, and i think this washington team wasn't a one-year fluke i know the schedule gets much more difficult than it was a year ago i mean all the big boys in the pac-12 play one another uh but i i think they're better defensively especially up front and with all those weapons back and a good coach i mean this is a team that's going to flirt right again with, with double digit wins and Who's the other team? I'm sorry. My, my, my mind is no problem. Racing. This is like your fifth show today. <laughs> Oregon state. Yeah. So Oregon state is a team that, uh, I just like Kalen DeBoer, Washington. I love Jonathan Smith. Another one of the more underrated coaches in, in the country. Uh, that this is a team that won 10 games a year ago. I think it was the quietest 10 win team that I've probably seen at the power five level in two decades. Uh, and you look at them this year, they bring in DG DJ Uyunglele from Clemson, a quarterback. They upgraded there. They're playing a backup quarterback last year. They have a really good offensive line. They have a really good running back core, led, led by Martinez, who was a Pac-12 freshman of the year a uh, year ago. The question is, can they stay top 25-ish on the defensive side of the ball? I don't think so. So are they going to win 10 games this year? No. Uh, 
But you look at their schedule. I mean, of all the Pac-12 contenders, man, it's a relatively easy non-conference slate. Um, and you look at the, you know, they get to host a, keep in mind, the stadium's renovated. They're going to be a lot of excitement there. They've been playing it in basically half a stadium the last couple of years. So they're going to have some home field advantage. They get a lot of the key games at home. Uh, they don't play USC. So, I mean, I, I kind of like Oregon state. I bet over eight. So I, I, again, you would expect regression from a team like Oregon state. Uh, I'm not expecting it. I think Jonathan Smith is as good as anybody in the country. So I just think they continue ascending here. Uyunglele's got a lot to prove here, and they do get you. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but you know what? He was a he was a top guy. Five, I think five star going in, right? And uh, you know, obviously Clemson happened, and you know he knew he was going to lose his job this year anyway. But oh yeah, but he was a good move, I think, uh, and I think it could be mutual beneficial. And I love how they get UCLA at home, they get Utah at home. So you know, those are two very winnable games. They get Washington at home. They get their hard games at home. So they got to get over the hump and beat those teams. And if they do, they could be a very dangerous team and possibly a sleeper to win the uh, Pac-12. You know, last year I bet them at forty to one, and I think I, I think I just missed them by a game or something to uh, go to the Pac-12 championship, wasn't it? Um, yeah, you did just miss it. I mean, they lost. They had a couple of close losses that did them in the USC game. They absolutely should have won. That was Although it. I will say they beat Oregon the final game. Uh, they rallied from like 17 down, so you did get a fortunate win. But that, that could have put them in the championship game. There were some ridiculous tiebreakers that ended up going to Utah last year. Yeah, absolutely. It was just crazy. And uh, – I, th- it, that USC game was the biggest bummer. And I could not believe the score being 14 to 17. Cause I think the over on that was like massive on that game. And it was just ended yep. up 14. It was just a kind of just a, a coaches in, in Oregon state was minus four in turnovers and still could have won the game. I, I mean, that was, yep. that should have been an outright win there. I mean, Oregon state still covered that spread. I mean, how often minus four in turnovers do you cover a point spread? Never. No, almost never. I would say that's in the 99 percentile. Brad, yep. that, that doesn't it happen. Yep. Absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to the final conference, the one that everyone loves to hate, unless you're an SEC fan. We have to go to the SEC, and they're obviously the leaders and to have the most championships over the last 20 years or plus or whatever. Overachievers, I have to say, you know, it was hard to find one because, you know, I I kind of thought LSU did good, but they're somewhat expected to do it. They overachieved a bit. Tennessee is definitely the biggest overachiever, in my opinion, and their win totals at nine point five. I just I struggled to find another one, and I picked Vanderbilt, Brad, for two reasons. Okay. Um, we texted about Brandon Vanderbilt about a month or two ago, but uh, I, I think that they got to five wins last year, which was good for them. You know, so yeah. I had to say that they're one of the overachievers. What do you think about these teams? Yeah, start with Tennessee. Uh, I mean, that was as good of a season as they've had in pretty much two decades. It's been a while there uh, in Knoxville, and they were legit. I mean, they beat Alabama. They had one of the better offenses in, in the country. They lose their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, and they're still able to get a big bowl win over Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Uh, and it kind of got them a, j- a jump start to this season by Joe Milton getting those last couple of games as a starting quarterback against Vanderbilt and Clemson. Uh, rocket arm, he's not going to be as accurate as Hendon Hooker, so there's going to be some highs and lows there. You look at the schedule, they're not going to beat Georgia, in my opinion, even though they get the Bulldogs at home. They're not going to go – they're not going to beat Alabama second straight year. I'm sorry. I mean, Alabama's going to have that game circled. It's in Tuscaloosa this year. You're not beating them. No. They pulled Texas A&M, who I think is much improved uh, this year. So I think they're – you know, their win total is right around nine, nine and a half. I think that's fair. That's one I haven't bet yet, uh, one of the few. So I, I think that's about right. I think their defense is going to be improved. Let's talk Vanderbilt. Uh, early win total, so I think a little ambitious for them. Four and a half. I went under because, uh, I mean, look, not conference. They got three winnable games. In my opinion, I think they'll be an underdog against Wake Forest, but they're still going to be a significant underdog in all the SEC games. I mean, to get the five last year, they pulled two significant upsets as two touchdown-plus underdogs against Kentucky and Florida. They do get Kentucky and Missouri at home. Uh, I think the market's probably overreacted to the win total now. It's three and a half in a lot of spots. I would actually lean over. I made it four. I think Clark Lee's a good coach. I just think that, you know, they're going to, if they're going to win four or five games, they're going to have to pull an upset somewhere. I think he's capable of doing it. Just don't ask me which game. 
And you know what? And this is why we talked about this. I, I said, I'm taking Vanderbilt over three and a half. I got uh, minus 110 yep. or minus 115. And you said I took it down from minus four and, four and a half. And so four would be the perfect number for Brad Powers and Kiev O'Neill right here. Let's get a four for this year. But here's the thing. And it's just like you said. They have the three easy non-conference games. Alabama A&M, Hawaii, who they went there and just decimated. Yeah. And UNLV at home should be a win. There's three wins. But I see a possible win, and, and this is obviously a reach. And they're going to be underdogs in this game. And in these games, like you said, Kentucky at home, Auburn at home, Missouri at home, at Wake Forest is kind of – I need one of those to get to four. I think they can – I think you'll get one of those. Yeah. I I just hope they don't get two of those for my sake. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. They're going to sneak one. And I, and I have, a, I have a, a feeling it could be Auburn, but – We'll see. Uh, their defense wasn't good last year, but that's kind of who they're replacing. They have a lot of returning offensive players on this team. Uh, a couple receivers. Uh, obviously, Swan's coming back at quarterback. And, I mean, this they were, what were they, like 5.3 yards per play last year? Uh, so going off the top of my head, I can take a look. Uh, that wasn't bad for a Vanderbilt team. I think they could no. be sneaky this year and get to four wins and cash both of those tickets and uh, right now 3.5 is juice to the over so it looks like the market was kind of agreeing with me a little bit on that one let's move on to the underachievers and you have to mention auburn you know because they've been underachieving bad over the past few years harrison but uh they're at 6.5 right now and then oh, texas a&m the most money spent on recruits and still just piss poor year over year and uh, they're the fans there are ready to turn on their coach but they're still 7.5 on the season win total and they still can recruit brad yeah let's start with texas a&m I, you know what shame on me if, uh, if i lose it but i bet over seven and a half I, I mean there's just way too much talent on that roster to be seven and five just this i mean defensive line is as talented as any defensive line in all of college football all those, you know, five-star true freshmen a year ago got their uh, beak wet a little bit, and now they're sophomores. Plus, everybody else that was an upper upperclassman last year returns on that defensive line. So it's as good of a and deep and talented as a defensive line as any in the country. I think Connor Wegman was a true freshman quarterback last year. He returns. He'll be a little bit better. He impressed me at the end of last season. Uh, they, they got some weapons on the off uh, on the offensive side. Keep in mind this Evan Stewart kid at wide receiver. I think is capable of being. First team All American type. That's how good I think he can be. Offensive line will be better. They're fine. They do lose the the, the running back, but they got a five star uh, Ruben Owens kid that they can come in and play at that position there. Uh, so yeah, I, I just I look at the schedule. We'll know the Miami game week two. Just how good the, you know A and M can be. I, I think that's at Miami. But yeah, I bet over there. So I'm a little bit bullish. We'll see. I was bullish last year and got my teeth kicked down my throat. I'm like, there's no way this is an eight and four roster. And yeah, you're right. They're not an eight and four roster. They go five and seven somehow. Uh, let, let's talk Auburn. I mean, yep, you're right. Underachiever, but they went ahead and fired their coach. Unlike A&M and they bring in Hugh Freeze. I think it's a good hire. I'm talking X's and O's. I'm not talking off field, but uh, on the field, he's as good as anybody when it comes to X's and O's. They hit a home run in the transfer portal on the offensive line, in my opinion, filling the gaps there. I mentioned earlier they got Peyton Thorne from Michigan State in the transfer portal post-spring. I think that helped them. I haven't bet their win total yet. I thought six and a half was very fair. I would lean over now with that Peyton Thorne kind of, I would say, at the very least, you're going to get an established starting quarterback now. So over for me there would be the lean. Haven't got to the window yet. We, I still got time. I mean, that might be one that I, I make just to, you know, for giggles to, to have a few bucks on it yeah yeah auburn's definitely replacing a lot new honeymoon year obviously for freeze although freeze was at liberty right and uh, i mean look what he did over there just yeah. absolutely amazing the way he tr uh, transformed this team and obviously he has that off the field issues but like you said x's and o's is where it's at and yeah let's see what happens to peyton thorn um this whole mel tucker thing it's kind of the same thought you know it's like if you hated michigan state and they busted your tickets the first year you should have just kept fading mel tucker and you've been just great yeah. last year you know but you know the same situation you're on the opposite it's like i texas a&m how bad can jimbo fisher be but did you mention bobby petrino you know bobby petrino coming on in right yeah. and i think that's key to texas a&m's offense right here and uh you know he's is it connor wegman their quarterback right there it's yeah connor wegman's a really good quarterback right he'll be he'll be you know i i contemplated betting him to win the heisman so 
I, I didn't get to the window yet because, I mean, I still have – I think this still can be a – I mean, look at the schedule. It's still pretty difficult. I, I still think it's a team that probably is three, four losses. They're not there yet. Not there yet, but we'll see. They do return quite a few offensive linemen. So um, I'm really I'm intrigued by that. Um, I'll, I'll be shopping that one around a little bit. I'm, I might jump on boat with you on this over for Texas A&M here just to be the contrarian. And, uh, you know, everyone's down on them because they hate Jimbo. But it doesn't take Jimbo if he's got some good coordinators there, in my opinion, my man. Well, great stuff, Brad. Really appreciate all the time you put in breaking down our overachievers and underachievers. It's a nice little exercise, I thought, to do and, uh, you know, possibly look at, you know, what we're going to see coming into this year. But more importantly, where could our listeners and our viewers get your great information, media, and plays? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at BradBauer7. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to get all my you know different shows that I'm doing and whatnot because I'm always tweeting them out, retweeting them. Uh, and you can check out my website, BradBauerSports.com. Make sure you check out Brad Power Sports. It's it's still kind of early, but it's also not, baby. Two months away, week zero coming up. You know where I'll be week zero at the Circa signing up for my contest here. And uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, if you guys want to look me up, shoot me a text that weekend. Would love to meet up with you. Thanks again, Brad. We'll be texting. Thanks for having me. All right, my friends. Well, I'm going to go with what Brad said about Michigan State. We're going to take their win total under 5.5. Yeah, Mel Tucker, absolute mess of the situation. What's going on right now with uh, Peyton Thorne leaving immediately? That really puts them in a terrible situation, in my opinion. You you also got to hate the fact that uh, Washington is one of their at-large games. They should beat Central Michigan and Richmond, I hope. But at Iowa, at Minnesota, at Ohio State, at Indiana is a little tricky. Michigan, Penn State, you know, forget it, man. Uh, Their wins are probably Central Michigan, Richmond, uh, Maryland, maybe, at Rutgers, maybe. And then I'm not seeing another win on the board here unless it's at Indiana here. I'm pretty confident with the under 5.5. You can get it at MGM right now. Minus 130 for one star. Where's my money, bitch? All right, now it's time for the UFC on ESPN this weekend. The main event is Sean Strickland versus Abus Magomedov. And this is going to be an interesting fight because you have Strickland, right? And, man, it's, he's just tiring. It's just such a tiring uh, contender. And he's a great contender. He's a tier one fighter. Not much for wrestling. He can a little bit. You know, he's very tough to take down, uh, but, you know, he's more of a striker. He jabs. He gives volume, jabs you to death. He's kind of like the stepping stone for the UFC to get into the title fights. You know, guys like Jared Cannonier had to go through him. Alex Pereira, uh, Jack Manson tried but lost in a split decision. Uriah Hall. You know, he's beat some very good fighters like Jocko and Brendan Allen. Um that was back in 2020, Alan. I wonder if it's going to be any different right now. But uh, he did have those two losses against Pereira and Jared Cannonier. Then he beats Nazardine Imavov in a decision, just outvalues him. But Abus Magomedov is, he's Russian, 32 years old, same age as Strickland, 14 KOs, six submissions, five decisions, can kind of do it all. He's uh has some ugly losses, but it goes way back to 2018 against Lewis Taylor. And this was not even in uh, in the UFC. It was at PFL. So, you know, obviously he's kind of learned the ropes a little bit. He did get knocked out there. But, you know, his record, still fantastic. I mean, 25 wins, four losses. He had a draw back in 2018. Uh, he seems to get better and better. But he hasn't really stepped up in competition nearly the ranks of Sean Strickland. So it's it's just a tough situation. I mean, we kicked the crap out of Dustin Stolfus. And Stolfus, man, this dude has been on a losing streak until just recently. And I don't call Stolfus a good fighter. He's probably a tier three fighter. But, you know, it, it seems like it's interesting that he's jumping right up in class here to Strickland this quick after just really wrestling one person and fighting one person in the UFC. Now, I, don't, I think this is going to be a tough fight for Strickland. But um, I'm just, you just can't 
only take plus 130, plus 140 in a situation where uh, he's fighting such an advanced fighter with a massive strength to schedule difference. Yeah, it was plus 125 in some of these books. I mean, I'm going to stay away from this one. It's probably properly lined. Um, I could see how Strickland just outvolumes him, uh, stays away, uses his jab, bloodies him up. People say, well, Strickland doesn't wrestle that well. He's just a jabber up yet. His takedown defense is 85%. He gets in the clinch with you. You know, you try to take down, he'll get to the cage, get in the clinch, be a little bit wrestling. He'll throw elbows, throw some knees. He knows what he's doing, you know. So I'm definitely um, more on the Strickland side for a pick. But uh, Abus Magomedov is supposed to be a big up-and-comer here. I, I don't think it's properly priced. I would lean Strickland right now. Uh, in this fight. The next fight, Damir Ismagulov versus Grant Dawson. Now, Ismagulov just lost to uh, Sarukin, right? Armand Sarukin. And he was going to retire, but he decided to come back. And who is he come back and fight? Well, Grant Dawson, 19-1-1, also a very good wrestler. He just wrestles you to death. Well, that's what Damir lost to against Sarukin. Otherwise, Damir is the better striker for sure. Uh, 42% accuracy, but he throws 3.78 significant strikes landed per minute. And his strength schedule for Demir it towers over Grant Dawson right now. But you got to give Grant Dawson some respect. You know, he takes out Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon was that guy that probably should have beat Patty Pimblett. And lots of people had the judges wrong, obviously, in the UK back then. But, you know, Gordon's a decent fighter. Then he beats Mark O'Madson. And I lost this fight. I was on Mark O'Madson. I thought O'Madson was the wrestler that could actually take care of business here. No, he was actually the worst wrestler. Grant Dawson's a better wrestler. So this reminds me a little bit of Pat Sabatini. Sabatini just crushed Luke Samadian wrestling. You know, it was not even really close. Then he gets Almeida in the arm triangle. I mean, Pat Sabatini is obviously a different ball game right now. The way this kid's looking really hot right now in the featherweight division. Grant Dawson's in the lightweight division. But anyways... I like to bet Damir, but it just feels like, you know, he wanted to retire, then he kind of comes back, makes some money. Just an ugly situation right now. And is the price at minus 110 is pretty fair, really. It just kind of tells you Grant Dawson 19 1 and 1. You know, uh, he's fought quite a few people, obviously. Same situation at the main event. Um, Damir has fought in a lot better fighters than Grant Dawson. Damir has been. In the UFC since 2018, beating Tiago Moises, Rafael Alves, um, Joel Alvarez, some pretty good fighters. And if you look at Grant Dawson's resume, it's not as good. You know, Marco Madsen was okay, but uh, certainly not as good here as uh, Demir Ismagulov. The, it's at minus 110. It's at a pick em. I, I tend to agree, and I'm going to have to move on to the next fight. I will say that... This will probably go to decision. So a lot, I think a lot of these fights might go to decision. So decision props might be interesting uh, in here as long as they're not juiced uh, too heavily. And just checking right here, yeah, minus 220 over 2.5. You're looking at probably minus 180 goes to decision. And eh, not in love with that either, just knowing how Demir has been acting lately. So um, probably going to stay away from that one. Max Griffin versus Michael Morales. So this is an interesting fight because Griffin's been around for a while and he's just kind of 19 and 9. You think that he's getting old, but I mean, he's been pretty good over his last four or five, five fights. He beat uh, Tim Means. He uh, is a split decision. And I'm not a big Tim Means guy, but uh, he lost to Neil Mangi in a split decision. And Mangi just beat my guy, Philip Rowe in a split so it's just one of those situations where you know I, I don't think that Griffin is a big enough dog against Michael Morales which is 14 and 0 you know Morales is kind of up and coming here but you know he did great in the Dana White contender series then he beats Trevin Giles by knocking him out he beats Adam Fugit in the third round which was a pretty good uh I, I would say a pretty good opponent you know, Adam Fugit has been around for a while, and uh, you got to give him some props. So, Morales at minus 250 is probably a parlay partner. I just don't see him losing significant strikes 5.36 to Max Griffin at 
two, three. Obviously, Max has fought in more fights in the UFC, so you do factor that in a little bit. But Morales is the hunger fighter, most likely the younger fighter, uh, only 23 years old, and he's looking to make a statement here against Max Griffin. Next fight I do have a play on, and it is Melissa Gatto versus Ariane Lipsky. Now, Lipsky I did lose on, and it drove me nuts when she lost to Priscilla uh, Kachaira. I saw her beat J.J. Aldrich afterwards, and I was like, man, she's really, really improved. Um, Aldrich can wrestle and kind of do it all, but, you know, she was the one favored in that fight. And then Melissa Gatto on the other end, you know, she just lost to Tracy Cortez in a decision, which doesn't exactly blow away. Tracy Cortez, really? You know, I'm like... Cortez is, uh, I guess you would call up and coming. She's won three or four fights in a row, so you can't really take too much away from her. But, you know, at the same time, uh, Gatto was outstrucken by her. And the thing about Lipsky is that she can strike. You know, she is an amazing striker. She hasn't been that great on the ground, but she has switched to American top team uh, a little while ago, like a year or so ago. And I think that's going to give her a great advantage for her wrestling. And I think she's going to be able to get out of what Gatto is going to bring to her. So I expect a volume fight. She's just got to get up and get out of takedown attempts. I think she can do that a little bit better now. So the stats are saying, you know, from a grappling perspective, her, her takedown defense is 73%. While, you know, Gatto's is only 70%. You want to see strikes? 3.86 for Lipsky. 3.27 significant strikes for Melissa Gatto. So um, I think Lipsky can definitely outvolume her and uh, put her in some very tough situations. I just kind of look at the uh, the coaching here. You know, you're looking at American Top Team versus MSP. You know, she Gatto's out of Brazil. I just think Lipsky. It's time for her to take a step forward, and she's the dog here. This should be a fifty fifty fight. If not, I would say Lipsky maybe should be a little bit more of a favorite here. So the play is going to be on Lipsky, plus 190 at 1.5 stars. The next fight, I have a premium play on, so I'm going to pass on that. And that's all the time we have for this show. So thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Huge thanks to Brad Powers for coming on, breaking down some college football. Hope you enjoy all the games this weekend. Enjoy the fights and go get some winners.